I think from quitting my job to MVP to raising our first pre-seed round of money, it was only a month. I had a lot of experience building very CPU-intensive products with web technologies, but as desktop applications using Electron. And I followed that path down and built with TypeScript, React, Electron, a little bit of like C and Swift code for like some glue. Very quickly, a first prototype. It looked, it looked like a to-do list app with a play button. I'm Ulf Schwekendieck. I'm the founder and CEO of Centered. This is Code Story the podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries who share in the critical moments of what it takes to change an industry and build and lead a team that has your back. I'm your host, Noah Labhart, and today how Ulf Schwickendig created the best tool to get you into your flow state faster. All this and more on Code Story. Ulf Schwickendig was brought up in Germany, but spent most of his life in the U.S. He speaks German with an American accent and English with a German accent, so he claims to not speak any language properly anymore. Personally, he loves to paraglide, not parasail. It's a different thing. In fact, he is a tandem instructor. In this particular activity, you inflate a giant parachute and jump off of a mountain or cliff. From there, you use drafts or thermals to stay in the air and can drift for around 100 miles sometimes. Ulf's background is twofold, engineering and UX. He's worked on many popular products and with well-known startups in the past. He was an iOS engineer at Siri before it was bought by Apple. He started up a company and ended up selling it to Groupon and then ended up doing a couple more companies with the Groupon founder, one being Descript, which is still going strong today. Finally, he spent some time at Postmates. He enjoys building software that invokes an emotion from its user While he was at Postmates, he got really interested in the way people work, specifically around flow states. He studied the Pomodoro method and its associated 25-minute cycles. This became the first building block into creating his current venture. This is the creation story of Synerd. Synerd is a desktop app that helps you to get into a flow state. Now you might ask, what is a flow state? Noah, have you ever been in an airplane without Wi-Fi and opened your computer? (laughs) I have, yeah. Isn't that amazing how much work you can get done if you shut out all notifications and all external triggers? So we're trying to help our users with that, with standard. It's a desktop app that you launch. Um, you write down all the things you might need to do. You, we, we are big believers in monotasking. So you actually work on one thing at a time and tell us ahead of time how long that one task would take. And then unlike any other to-do list app, we're transforming you with our mini player into a new way of working. And that is you hit play on a task, we author beautiful flow music that is music specifically designed to help you concentrate for longer. That is music at a certain beat pattern that is without vocals. Um, that is just music that gets you so much quicker into a flow state. Um, and 
introduce you to a digital guide called Noah. Noah, think of Noah as like a Siri for productivity. Noah will automatically look over your shoulder while you work, remind you on staying on task, even detect when you get distracted. Say you open up Twitter out of a sudden. And you know what? Twitter most likely has nothing to do with your deep work coding task or whatever you're doing. Um, and Noah will just gently in a beautiful British accent remind you that, you know, Twitter might not be part of that current task, so you better get back to that. My background is twofold. Um, my, my main profession is in engineering. I love building things from, from early, early on. I, I ended up going to study computer science. I worked for amazing companies like uh, back home for like Siemens and then eventually worked for Autodesk and great graphics software and then found my way into startups. Being, uh, being a mobile engineer at Siri, which you know was bought by Apple just shortly after I joined them. And, you know, going for the very, very first time through a very quick, like, wow, this is a startup. Out of a sudden, you had a large organization and out of a sudden, your product is used by hundreds of millions of people. Such a segue in my career that I wanted to do more of that rather than stay at a large company being a small cock in the wheel. My second part of, of my profession was always in UX and UI and design. I love to make something that I that I call emotional software. Software in general has usually been seen as a tool. I don't think that's quite right. I think if we build software with an emotional design behind it of like basically thinking of what type of emotion do we want to create by using a tool and how can we create these emotions usually by some form of media being at a voice of somebody being at music being at a beautiful image or a very precise ui button design building software with first thinking about the emotion that you're trying to create makes, in my mind, much better software, much stickier software, and, and software that is out of a sudden not a tool, that is something that you want to live with. We started with engineering, went into, you know, design, emotional software. I ended up staying in the startup world, did a handful of companies, sold a startup to Groupon, opened up a Groupon engineering office here in the Bay Area, um, ended up doing two more companies with the founder and CEO Andrew Mason of Groupon. One we sold to Bose. The other one called Descript is still going super strong. I'm rooting for them before I finally took a leap of faith and said, all right, I'm finally ready. I like work with all these amazing founders. I want to be a founder myself. Like fully, I want to be the, the sole founder, CEO of a startup. Quit my job sat at home, and I had no idea what I wanted to do. I felt like writing down ideas, scoping the market, you know, doing all the things that, you know, you're kind of like business school taught what to do. None of them felt right to me. Nothing came from my heart. So I ended up not doing a startup and, and joined a late-stage startup uh, called Postmates. Um, you might have heard of it. It's a food delivery company. It was really, really fun. While being at Postmates, the idea for Senate finally struck. And I'm sure you and your listeners have been, have been there and said that, that 
know the days where you go really early to your office, you know, all before this pandemic, and you do that so you can get, in quotes, real work done? Because it's the time before everybody's in the office, before, you know, the day starts getting hectic, before people start interrupting you. I don't think people want to work that way. I really don't think people are happy with the way these open office structures are set up and and people are very unproductive that way and not happy at the same time. So I started researching at my time at Postmates already of methodologies on how to be more focused. One early one that a coworker showed me that he's been practicing a lot of times was the idea of the Pomodoro method. You take a kitchen timer set it up for 25 minutes and you work on one task uninterrupted the world can end around you you don't care you work on this one piece for 25 minutes till your kitchen timer rings and you give yourself a five minute break to do whatever you need to do answer your emails talk to your product manager like have a quick check-in with your designer or teammates whatever you need to do drink something we always forget to do that then you keep on going another 25 minutes So that alone, that concept of bringing it to a team and talking about, okay, you know what? When somebody is in a Pomodoro cycle, we don't expect you to respond to Slack. You do not have to respond to a text message right now. If your product manager is waving at you, just like point at your headphones and say, you know, in 20 minutes, like you can talk to me. And that already alone improved how happy people were and our productivity quite a bit. So that was like the first building block to, oh my God, there are more and more of these methodologies. What if we would put them in into an app and actually open this up, not just to, you know, the teams I was leading and really just open this up to anybody who wants to be more productive in like a more scalable way that, you know, the, the engineer of us has to think about. And that's how I started Centered. That's... Uh, The moment I I built a little prototype, I quit my job, I raised a couple of rounds of financing, built out a lovely team that that pushes this product super quickly forward. And uh, this is the center that we have right now. Well, tell me about the MVP. Tell me about that first product you built. What sort of tools did you use to bring it to life and how long it took you to build? I think from quitting my job to MVP to raising our first pre-seed round of money, it was only a month. It really was just a month of me like coding and designing something. And um, I'm, I'm a super big fan of rapid prototyping. I'm also a fan of building scalable software when, when the time comes. But, you know, this is like your typical like, all right, I'm going to hack something together. I had a lot of experience building very CPU intensive products with web technologies, but as desktop applications using Electron. And I followed that path down and built with TypeScript, React, Electron, a little bit of like C and Swift code for like some glue. Very quickly a first prototype. It looked it looked like a to-do list app with a play button next to each to-do list item. And the moment you hit play, you get like this Pomodoro counter that just counts down and plays some music that I bought. 
that was about it. That was the very, very first version. And that was kind of the pitch on how could a productivity software look like that is not yet another thousands failing to-do list app. What if we build an operating system that helps you to get your work done and help you to be better at what you do over time and learns from the way you work? Staying on that MVP a little bit, you know, with any MVP, you've got to make certain decisions and trade-offs about, you know, what you're going to build in the short term or what you're going to cut or what sort of technical debt you're going to accept so you can move quickly. Tell me about some of those decisions and trade-offs you made and how you coped with them. Coming from just having and built and scaled a large Electron code base from a previous job at Descript, um, I wanted to make sure that starting out, even an MVP of, of something like Centered, I wanted to build offline first and actually build this whole framework around like a local SQLite database that then has like syncing with our custom backend that I built on like GraphQL on Heroku and, uh, and realizing going back to that by now we are in centered version three we don't have any of that anymore and it was it was a complete wrong decision to to say okay we need to have all of this in place at first because if we have these technologies in place they will just scale with us figuring out a product market fit it was totally not the case it was just an unmaintainable mess really really quickly just because you know a single engineer on it at first just trying to ship some features and testing things out without really maintaining the overall architecture of it um, some some of our early employees are still like laughing about the time where there was the ipc manager class with like 14,000 lines of code in there or something really, really bad um, that we should have cleaned up even earlier and not have let it, you know, the architect should have stayed at home probably a little longer. Well then, so from that point, right, you, you've progressed the product and, and you've touched on it at a, at a high level in a couple spots, but I want to dig into it. How did you go about progressing the product and to give context or to you know wrap it in a box, how, how did you build your roadmap and how did you decide, okay, this is the next most important thing to build? Yeah, and this is like the loveliness of having a, a seed or even a pre-seed company because you're being given money to experiment and to experiment quickly and learn quickly, which is amazing. It's really, really fun. Is even more fun if you if your experiments go somewhere and you can actually use those to build a real company, which I know not a lot of seed companies survive. I think we've we've done an okay job with this so far. We experimented extremely quickly. So the first version of the app is just like the MVP expanded a little bit, like I outlined, and we learned from that from our users and by talking every single day to people who use the app. That is like the most important piece for like advice for any founder is talk as much as you can to your customers. Don't move on the spot for them if they think something is not working. Understand why it's not working for them, understand where they're coming from and maybe have that influence your roadmap. 
but not every single customer comment immediately should make you do a full 180 degree pivot, which is easy to do if you have a famous early customer who's just like, well, that just doesn't work for me. I wish it would be doing the other thing. And you have 99 other people who love the way the app works. There are lessons to be learned that some people would pivot a little too quickly. Overall, the first version of the app was all about single player, how you get your work done. So we learned from that that it works for the single player, but we had issues with a retention. People thought of this early version as yet another to-do list app with like a little bit of a twist, as well as growth wasn't phenomenal on this. So we started seeing what we could do to improve growth and retention and build a second version of Centered, frankly, from scratch. It had barely anything to do from the, with the first version. It was all built around the concept of getting people together, feel more accountable and work together. That was the second version of Centered. We called these things flow halls. Think of them as Peloton classes for work where you have a coach that is on video that kind of coaches a group of people through a work session, through like a 45-minute flow session with like breaks and stretching exercises and everybody has their video on so you can see each other but you can't hear each other. And that was the second version of Centered that we launched pretty quickly. And we learned from that version that retention was a lot higher People love the piece of accountability, but people out of a sudden were missing everything else around their work. Based on that learning, we built Center 3, and this is what we have out for a couple of weeks now, which is really a marriage out of the two, a beautiful operating system for your tasks. It integrates with other to-do list apps, for instance. It integrates with Linear so you get to see, for instance, as an engineer, like all your tasks right in center. And it's like a super nice deep integration. Shout out to the linear team. They're doing great work. But while you hit play, you get to choose if you want to be connected to other people. So at this point of our app, whenever you hit play, you'll see like 30 plus people, some with their cameras on, some with just an avatar, just working alongside of you quietly. It's such, an, it's such an important piece to the app and to retention that we really just learned by completely doing a second version of the app that had nothing to do with the first one. Well, let's switch to team then. So tell me about how you went about building your team and what did you look for in those people to indicate that they were the winning horses to join you? You know that just too well through hiring. Hire slow, fire fast is, is a thing that you always have in the back of your mind, but sometimes you just feel like, but I just need some extra help right now. And while like candidate A is not the perfect fit, I just need to move on and like need the help. Well, hire slow, fire fast is a real thing. <laughs> I learned the hard way. Um, it, it took a while and it took finding a really good recruitment partner um, that we hired to help us fill our team. And I can just tell you after a year of recruiting and finally having the team completely filled, it, it took a while and we have people who, who live and breathe what we do as much as I do now working here. Let's talk about scalability then. So 
Did you build this to scale efficiently from day one? Or have you been fighting this as you grow through the different versions? It's quite funny. Um, like I already like, talked a little bit about it early, I was thinking about you know, offline, like synchronization, um, whatnot, quite early in the architecture and realized it really didn't matter until you hit product market fit. And we actually ripped a lot of these things out in order to find product market fit. In terms of scalability, now we are on Firebase, which is, you know, an quote-unquote like outer scalable system from Google that is serverless, which is great in a lot of ways. We basically will pay with money to scale <laughs> instead of, uh, you know, having our own great infrastructure that scales and our own DevOps people that scale. And at some point where we know hiring the right people to rebuild what we have makes sense, we will do. We can iterate so much faster with our current technology stack because it's there and we don't have to worry about web sockets. If you ever try to do at scale web sockets and scale out your web socket services, it is a pain. And just knowing that you can have basically real-time databases that scale up to thousands, hundreds, thousands of users without you know, hiring any DevOps people and spending a lot of time with AWS consultants. Um, that, that sounds like better investor money spent um, than the other way around. Well, as you step out on the balcony and you look across all that you've built, what are you most proud of? I'm super proud of building a product that helps people do something great. The outcome of having people and not just a handful hundreds of people spending hours every day with centered as a companion to get their work done in a more mindful way and feeling that they got time back to spend with their family instead of you know clocking in another four hours of work or missing dinner because that's finally when the office got quiet that is that is what i'm extremely proud of just just second after though is is the amazing team that that we have now put together that is that is pushing this product forward in a way that I can't do it myself. Well, let's flip the script a little bit. Tell me about a mistake you made and how you and your team responded to it. Oh God, where do I even start? <laughs> there's there's always the the balance of getting user feedback and responding to user feedback in terms of features, especially if it's user feedback that comes in from investors during fundraising, where you're talking to an investor and they seem excited and they're just like, hey, here's another idea that I think you should have in your product and you build it immediately the next day. You drop everything that was on the roadmap. You're like, oh, investor X really thought this would be cool and you're building it right away. And it turns out that nobody really wanted that or like you didn't really think too hard about the impact of that feature to your overall customer base or whatsoever. And you just thought in that moment of, okay, I want to show that investor that we can, that our team can really do anything super quickly. Um, and, you know, in hindsight, that wasn't the right call because the people that ended up working with us were amazing investors, advisors, 
they never they never did that in the first place. And the people who walked away eventually were the ones where you bent over backwards to to build their futures. One of my early advisors and investors told me of the first round and the seed round probably as well of financing is is not really yet about your product or your team. It's just about you. So if an investor says no, they say no to you. But just be okay with that. I'm like, oh, that was uh, very interesting advice and uh, something that you have to meditate over quite a bit and how to be okay with that. Well, what does the future look like for Centered, the product, and for your team? So Centered as a product is becoming more and more an operating system for your entire work. So we are adding a lot of integrations into Centered so that the product itself doesn't look really bloated, but you can just plug in soon your gmail for instance to do your emails in a mindful way not get distracted by all the random emails that come in we'll integrate with you know the common task managers like asana clickup um, trello um, github issues or github in general so that you know you have a more mindful way of like going through your pull requests and and get them done once and get your code reviews done once without you know, being sidelined 20 times in the meantime. Um, th- that is like a really big piece of, of Cinder. The other big piece is we're expanding into something that we call private groups. And that is that you don't just get to flow with the Cinder community, that you get to flow with your friends, your study group, your team in your company. Um, and see overall what you've been up to, see an overall metric of how your team is doing. And no, this is not the big brother, like, let's show, you know, a weak manager how they can even, you know, micromanage an engineer better. This is, this is overall for your team to be proud of the work you do together. Let's switch to you, Ulf. Who influences the way that you work? I'm a CEO, CTO, really any person that you look up to and why. One of our investors and an old friend and an old co-founder of mine told me to not compare yourself ever to ever to others. And that that really struck. So while, you know, I had amazing people that I worked with in the past and I learned a lot, like, you know, Andrew Mason from Groupon was an amazing product thinker and just a really fun person to be around. Um, Adam Chair, one of the co-founders of Siri, how compassionate he is about trying to solve a virtual digital assistant. First with Siri, which he sold to Apple, and then with Viv, that he founded after Apple that he sold to Samsung and that got integrated into making Bixby a lot better is is it's just so inspirational to to see people just so dedicated to one cause for such a long time and then succeeding again and again and again at it it's it's amazing we talked about a mistake right but a little bit different spin if you could go back to the beginning what would you do differently or where would you consider taking a different approach? I think I would have experimented 
a little less, maybe about 30% less product, product engineering work in the first six months and dedicated the, that time rather to finding an early engineering product design team that works with you really early on together instead of trying to do all of it yourself. Well, last question, Wolf. So you're getting on a plane and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing. They're jazzed about it. They can't wait to show it off to the world. Can't wait to show it off to you right there on the plane. What advice do you give that person having gone down this road a bit? First of all, I love that that happened on a plane. Again, planes had this like epiphany of flow states to me and like a lot of most meaningful thinking work happened on on flights to me which is great that you put it in that context um you know some some specifically more younger founders or first-time founders are sometimes a little bit worried about showing off what they have built um to the public and and I would just say, just show it to as many people as you can as quickly. Try to leave your ego out of it. Listen to the no's when, they're, when a person is not interested. Don't listen to the why they're not interested. Um, because those, those, in a lot of cases, don't actually have anything to do with you or your product. Um, I think that is like like one of the like key learnings to really just again that that is coming from another great advisor of ours who said don't listen to the wise just listen to the no's and move on um, if you get feedback and uh, and I think that's very very true otherwise again show it to as many people as you can find your following is the other thing third is and that is. You know, to go, to go back once more, one of the like hard learnings from Centered that I just would love to give any any young founder uh, as as a pointer. We started out saying Centered is for the knowledge worker. That's basically Centered is for really anybody who works on a computer for a couple of hours a day. And that was the wrong decision. That was really, really hard to market. That was really hard to find the persona you're building this for because it could be your left-handed plumber or your uh, your CTO or your product designer. And it took us a while to say, okay, you know what? We'll start with a very narrow segment that we understand really well and build it for that persona doesn't mean that the product has to change entirely it changes the way you think of the product and building out your roadmap in the future so we ended up saying we're building this first for product engineering teams good stuff well thank you for being on the show today thank you for telling the creation story of centered thanks for having me this was so much fun and this concludes another chapter of code story Code Story is hosted and produced by Noah Laphart. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcasting app of your choice. Support the show on patreon.com slash codestory for just five to ten bucks a month. And when you get a chance, leave us a review. Both things help us out tremendously. 
thanks again for listening.